So the goal of Project Blocks is to develop an open hardware platform that provides designers, developers, and researchers everything they need to create tangible programming experiences for kids. Good morning. It's Tech Talk Today, episode 250, and we have some interesting things to get into. Hello, Angela. Hello. Hello. So, yeah, this is a really interesting project that we'd start right off the top of the show because it's going to roll right into some news. It's called Project Blocks. From One of Googs. the big things about teaching kids how to program is that they can express ideas that they wouldn't be able to express otherwise. Young kids, you know, they learn by being social, by being collaborative, by playing with things, by exploring with their hands. Taking what's natural to them and then adding a new skill uh, such as computing and programming, I think we have the best of, of both worlds. I think if one moves away from the screen and keyboard to coding, it's far easier for young people to work collaboratively, and working collaboratively to solve problems is what happens out in the real world. That's kind of an interesting idea, huh? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so there's something Google announced today, tangible programming, a kind of a fascinating news day. So let's bring in our mumble room to go through some of it. Time-appropriate greetings, mumble room. Hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. You know, I thought that Project Blocks was interesting, and if you want to read more about it, you can find it in the show notes. But maybe we'd start with another really kind of amazing application of modern technology for a child. This infant was born with its brain growing outside its skull. Mm-hmm. I actually heard about this one already. Yeah, isn't this really something? So for the audience, I'll give you a little uh, a little background here. Uh, Bentley's parents, Sierra and Dustin, both 25, found out something was wrong when they went in for a routine ultrasound at 22 weeks. Still in the womb, he was diagnosed with a rare condition called cranium bifidum or something like that. Okay. Yeah, or also known as inclophilicelia yeah, or something. That's the one yeah. that I was waiting to hear you say. I'm like, no, I don't remember. Maybe I'm mixing it with another story. All right. Yeah. Uh, in which parts of the brain protrude, protrude outside of gaps that have formed in the developing skull. The parents were told likely that their baby wouldn't survive very long after birth or he wouldn't have very many brain functions, that he was simply incompatible with life. To virtually everyone's surprise, though, Bentley came out on his due date, October 31st, 2015, kicking and screaming. After the first 36 hours, Sierra and Dustin had to take him home wearing only the onesie they had bothered to purchase, the one onesie. Yeah, because they had actually scheduled a, uh, an abortion. And the night before it, they, they, they decided that they were just going to carry the baby to term and and see what happened. Uh, and then aside from the large sack containing critical parts of his brain on top of his head, he developed normally. When Bentley turned four months, Sierra and Dustin took him in to a Cleveland clinic where a surgeon agreed that the infant was using his brain but warned that it may not be possible to put it back in the cranium. After taking a look at Bentley, the surgeons realized that parts of his brain located within the pouch could not be removed because they were responsible for cognitive functions such as motor control and problem-solving and vision. So I had to go back in. So they used 3D printed models, and the surgeons planned out and practiced the, the procedure on these 3D models. Yep. So they did all the work there. And then on May 24th, the surgery began, which was a critical date because that's when his skull was thick enough to sort of hold up to the process. And I guess it only took five hours. Yeah, and a month after surgery, he appears to be doing fine. Uh, no one's quite sure what the future holds for him. Yeah, the first surgeon that they saw said that, it, that he would – he would not survive it. Mm-hmm. So they got a second opinion, and that's that's what this doctor did. Isn't that amazing to sort of like practice a medical procedure not really done or right? not super common? Well, it's right in line with uh, the, that table that we discussed in Tech Talk today yeah. a little while ago where yeah. they could you know, perform an incision on a digital body and then undo it if they messed up. <laughs> yeah, undo. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. There's the back button. Hit pause. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do over. So yeah, I just thought you know we talk a lot about when, when we talk a lot about 3D printed models. I don't know if we've ever really discussed the medical applications for them. 
Mm-mm. seems to be amazing, especially being able to custom build parts and things like that. So makes me want a 3D printer more and more. Yeah. One, of, one of these days, it'll just be commonplace. I've seen a couple casts made, you know, from 3D printing, which is really cool because they, they have holes in them so it can breathe. You don't have – I've never had a cast before, but I imagine it's the most disgusting thing ever to take off. <laughs> once it once it comes off. Hmm. Uh, all right. So if the mumble room doesn't have any other uh, input on the story, I thought we'd talk about some hardcore tech for a second. This is super cool. This is the world's first 1,000 core processor. Uh, are you impressed? Have I impressed you? Are you impressed yet? No. I, I don't even. I don't even know what no. that means. Take no. my money. Take my money. Take right, there money. we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, a team of researchers at the University of California, Davis, uh, designed a microchip with 1,000 processors that can run independently. It's called the Kilo Core. The chip is capable of tracking 1.78 trillion instructions per second, which the team believes makes it the highest clock rate processor ever designed in a university. Because each processor can run independently, they can be shut down when not in use. The Kilo Core can save energy. It's so damn efficient, the thing can run off a single AA battery. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, the machine you have right there has four processor cores in it. This has six processor cores, just to give you an idea. Uh, so uh, what are 1,000 cores good for anyways? Hmm. Well? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, is that a Seinfeld reference? No, it's a song. It's a war reference. Oh, yeah, war. What is it? I was thinking of Elaine when she's singing that. I wasn't sure if I you were making... I never watched Seinfeld. I know. That's why I wasn't sure yeah, if you were right? going... Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's why I had to check. Uh, the video, it could be obviously this much, this many processor cores could be used for video processing, cryptograph- cryptographic functions, uh, obviously processing scientific data, uh, but no, not to play Doom. Uh, 4K. <laughs> I-, I was assuming Minecraft. Yeah, Minecraft, sure. Yeah, yeah. A thousand core processors but, uh, is this- not, not useful to regular humans, I don't think. Yeah, but the problem with this uh, processor is it's it's not even doing floating points, so there's no mm-hmm. practical use for for end users, right? And and less and also um, someone I believe Dare Devlin was pointing out this is an, on an old 32 nanometer process, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this is technically like six years old. So I mean, it's nice, but we'll have to wait till they do something applicable with it. Are you uh, at all taken aback by the fact that we're like, oh, 32 nanometers? Pshaw. Like, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure it's good for, for students and for them to yeah. learn yeah. because the process becomes more affordable. But, I mean, we're already on 16 uh, fen, fen, uh, nanometer process technology for some um, GPU dyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, Intel's on 14 Thanks. nanometer for some stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. Skylake has 14. So, yeah, so it I mean, seems like more like uh, it seems like students learning to build something and learning to create workflows of a certain type and managing data of a certain type. That's what really I mean. It, it's a university project. It's straight up a university project. But it's also it's amazing to say a thousand cores on a single processor that are independent of each other. That's still on itself a pretty good accomplishment. Looking into the future. Why don't we speculate a little bit about what Google's up to? It came out that uh, today, no, a couple of days ago, that Google Fiber, you know, the, the, the internet division of the Googs, is buying up a well-known wireless ISP called WebPass. Uh, and they offer point-to-point super high-speed wireless, like in some cases, like near gigabit speed. So what could Google be up to here? I want to turn it over to the mumble room. They are sort of known as delivering wireless 500 megabit service upload and downloads for $55 a month. They're a 13-year-old company. They were planning to get into fiber on the premises down the road. They were starting with wireless and going to go towards fiber. 
And so they had fiber installed in some parts in San Francisco, Oakland, San Diego. However, wireless remained its primary business in cities such as Miami, Chicago, Baston. So it's pretty well known. I don't know if it's here, but uh, I don't think it's up in our neck of the woods. But in other places, it's well known. What is Google going for here? Are we going to see Google become its own wireless ISP? Could it become its own cell network? It's kind of already started that with like that Nexus 6, six program they did. At Project Fi. Wi-Fi calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what so I was they, they might be rolling out more of that. This also seems to be a good point-to-point technology so you could get really high-speed internet to areas that you can't trench possibly. I think this is a sign that they're serious about their in, their fiber service. Bring it here. We'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. It is – our Comcast yeah. is so bad here. I can't wait. I'll get that in my 15 years. Google really does need to shake this up. We are yeah. We are in a bad position. Like Angela and I have been going back and forth for a couple of weeks now because we don't have a good choice. The We have Comcast. That's the fastest we can get. But it's having constant issues with apparently in – in, in now I thought it was in Bothell. It's in Everett. Mm-hmm. Um, and the DSL we can get, it maxes out at 12 megabits. That's the fastest speed. It feels like it's the 90s. Yeah. I mean, I remember when, when my buddy Frank, uh, who was a freshman in high school in the 90s, got 4 megabit DSL in Arlington, Washington. And how has it only gotten to 12 megabits <laughs> in what is an embarrassing long amount of time? Like, yeah. that doesn't seem reasonable to me. It's actually just a technological limitation. Yeah, it, although, you know, you can get it up there. You can get it up to 20, 30 megabits over DSL. It's doable. It just Yeah, you need the extra DSL, like ADSL. So, uh, could so Google? Extra tech. What do you think, Rodden? Could Google be uh, getting super serious about the ISP business? Would it all I be? Would it all be Project Five? What do you think? I think they're already serious because of the fiber and the and that they can combine the two and actually improve their their Project Five with the fiber infrastructure. Mm-hmm. It's just how long are they going to take it? But because that that. Um, that, that the one they bought, I don't even remember the name of it, is, is not very, you know, spread across the country very much. So it, it only applies to like, what, six states, I think. Tyler points out in the chat room a uh, little, uh, little local Google Fiber story. He says in the KC metro area, you had a few different neighborhoods Google had trouble getting into because of concerns with their contractors creating problems in other neighborhoods. So this could be a way for Google to get into neighborhoods where they're having issues laying fiber. Yep. And then they boop, 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 boom, blast it right into there. Who knows where yeah. Google is going with this, but it's an interesting development. That'd be great, uh, especially because some states, like my state, has a, a law that require that requires any kind of new ISP, ISP to come into the state with the second they come in, immediate fifty percent support for the whole state. Hmm. Wow. Otherwise, they can't come into the state. That's a huge bar. Wow. How yeah, do you organically possible? Yeah. How do you organically grow? Jeez. Well, the the funny part is that they always say like that there's no companies that have fiber yet. We have dark fiber everywhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in most of the state, mm-hmm. but no one's no one's allowed to use it. Yeah, it drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. It's, well, Google actually, one city in my state made a made a, a partnership with Google. So in next year, I can move two hours away from where I am and maybe get Google. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that drive you crazy, this whole Windows 10 auto upgrade thing has been driving people crazy, and one gal is getting her piece out of Microsoft. I love this. Great. Yeah, uh, she's getting a settlement. She's getting $10,000, I think. Here's the story. She said, I'd never even heard of Windows 10. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and nobody ever asked me if I wanted to update. So she tried to reach uh, Microsoft customer support. They didn't fix the issue. Then she took the software court. She took this, as the article writes, she took the software giant to court 
seeking compensation for lost wages and the cost of a new computer. Uh, so she won. She won last month. Microsoft dropped an appeal even. And she collected $10,000 from the judgment. Microsoft denies any wrongdoing, but they, they, the reason they say they don't want to appeal is, well, it would just cost us more right. to appeal. Right. It's not that we did anything wrong. It's just that these lawyers that we have on staff 365 days a year, we don't want to task them on this particular project. Wow. <laughs> so somebody's getting a little piece of something from it. All right, Ange. This might just be what we need to take the Jupiter Broadcasting audience to a paperless future because Dropbox has just launched a new way to scan documents with your phone and other sharing features. The most Mm. interesting new feature is the tool in the mobile application that allows business users to scan documents and then upload them directly to Dropbox. As a PDF. Uh, likely. Here's the other extra little bit of uh, uh, secret sauce. The company is using optical character recognition, or, or OCR as you like to call it, to recognize the text on the document that it's scanning. That makes the content within those documents, if it actually works, searchable in the app. So it's doing some OCR. I'm not sure if it's PDFs or, or Jepizzles or what, but or Pinge. Could be GIFs. It'd have, have to be P, uh, PDF in that case. I would think so because it's probably putting text It could in. be like a doc file as well. But oh, actually it might. They do, have, they do have a deal with Microsoft. So this is kind of an interesting idea. Um, and I, I was kind of wondering if anybody in the Bumble Room has a solution, quote unquote, to this. So uh, here's the scenario I get. Piece of mail comes in. I want to keep track of it. It's maybe about a warranty or uh, whatever. And I want to track that. But I'm not going to – Actually, keep on hold on to that piece of paper. Let me let's be. I tried to give him an, uh, a, not, a, a physical accordion file yeah. that he could put this stuff into, so he I, doesn't lose it. I am, not, I am not my grandpa born in the 1920s. What I want to do is I want to <laughs> I want to use the 12 megapixel camera on my phone, and I want to scan it in, and I want to save it. So right now, I've been using ScanBot and Scannable. These are both really great applications that recognize objects. They they crop and they help make them flattened and and do the right coloring. But there's no real – there's no built-in storage mechanism that I can then go to to retrieve them. So I've thought about Evernote, but that doesn't work on the Linux desktop. I've thought about Dropbox, but I don't really want to marry myself to Dropbox too much because, holy crap, is the business account expensive. So I don't have a good solution for taking in vast amounts of paperwork that I don't want and storing it somewhere that I can retrieve it when I do want it. And I'm wondering if the mobile room has a solution to this. Well – Yes, but not like an easy solution. It's more like multiple different things combined together. Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean like you have like a scanner? It's like using Next Next Cloud or something. Like you I was doing scanner, that for a bit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the ScanBot stuff, those those are typically what I use. But there's OCR scanners now that you can get for like fifty bucks that are pretty reasonable, and they'll put them on an SD card, and you can just do whatever you want with it. So here's the uh, CNET video. It announced several additions to its software platform. With the Dropbox iOS app, you can now scan documents, blueprints, printouts, receipts, and more using the iPhone's camera. You can edit these files, adjusting the color and contrast. Huh. And these high-resolution scans are then saved directly into your Dropbox account. Second, you can quickly create Microsoft Office Docs from the app. Uh, Just tap the plus button in the center to create a Word, Excel, or PowerPoint file. You can further edit and organize these files using Microsoft's own mobile apps. On the Mac OS and Windows desktop... So that's interesting. Like, you know, the one thing, the receipts, like if I'm out purchasing something, you need to track it. We could always always just go to that folder. Right. Yeah, I wonder. I might be something I play with, although I'm not sure if it's going to replace ScanBot. Because the one thing about ScanBot is it can save to Dropbox, too. Uh, it just doesn't have a default storage mechanism. Hmm. 
Mm. Yeah, I was doing uh, to own cloud for a while, but then when once Nextcloud was announced, I sort of stopped sending files to my own cloud server. And you would have loved it if I if I would have had this when uh, we were living together. Check this out. Amazon's adding dozens of these dash buttons. You know about these? No. Aha, I didn't think so. That's why I put it in here. So these dash buttons are one push order buttons for oh, Amazon. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, you think I would have liked that? <laughs> no, not at all. No. <laughs> so like you want to Yes, zip. I have heard about these actually. And they you know they've got they got a crap ton of brands now on this. And you put these little buttons all over your house. like So you'd put like the uh, Clorox disinfecting wipes wherever you keep those. Yeah. And the Ziplocs, wherever you keep the Ziplocs. And when you run out, you push the button. I, well, first, you know what the first thing that I, uh, that I think of? What? Is a kid pressing that button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, they're not, you're not the only one to think of that. So they build in, and you, it's user-definable, I believe. But by default, I like a, like a two-week delay on some of this stuff. So, or whatever. Like oh, a one it says, week hey, delay. you said that you wanted this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think what it might do is it might add it to your wish list or something oh, within, I like, see. if it's... Sure. Yeah, so they actually it have some intelligence. It sends it to your cart, and then you have it yeah. where it'll send you ah. an email and let you to cancel it if you want to. So you get, you get like, a day delay before it actually goes through. Yeah. Yeah, so, does it yell at you when it says you already have have a year's supply in the cupboard just look you lazy bastard <laughs> no it says please buy more yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to sell it to you anyway we know you have three yeah. in there yeah you could hook it up to a watch to a webcam and so i can have some data for you this to Maybe me nice. though uh, you know people do hack these and they make them do other functions because it's it's really just a it's a really simple like a uh, action taken but uh, little mechanism but the, the you know the thing this is a really trippy thing. This is like the most basic successful Internet of Things product I think there is, and that's why I think it's worth talking about. It connects to your Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodden, do you know what is? Do you know what the process is to pair something that doesn't have an interface to your Wi-Fi network that's secured with WPA? I, like, um, do you do you I give Amazon you those settings it. and then they 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 push it to the device or like how do you get this thing on a secured uh-huh. Wi-Fi network? That's the part I don't. I almost want to get a couple, but then I don't want to get a couple. But I almost feel like I should get a couple because I think I think there's an app for it. Ah, that makes sense. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes, that's no. I now I have been told. Yes, it creates its own ad hoc network. You join that, then you configure with the app. I have that has been explained to me. Uh, I I, I kind of like this a little bit, right? <laughs> but it, what I what I find fascinating is it's simple. The batteries last for like ever. So how many? Years. How many? And does it beep? Please tell me it beeps when the battery is low. Because I, I would love for you to get like a hundred of these and just walk into, you know, seriously. Like, wait, where's that one from? Wait, it's in the cupboard. Something in the bathroom needs to be stuck replaced. these yeah. everywhere. But, you know, you could yeah. see it. You could uh, condoms, toothpaste, toilet paper. See, I would probably, why not just make a panel, a programmable panel instead of like individual little buttons like that? That's called Amazon.com. Right? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, anyways, I just I just thought they were interesting as the actual successful Internet of Things product that none of us are talking about. And it really is. It, they're taking off like crazy. There's lots you of know, them. You know, I learned about it on Plurk like two months ago. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> They've been around for a little while, so yeah. I'm kind of surprised yeah, by that. Like, uh, I think a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you know. All right, so are you ready? Speaking of unsuccessful products, it's time to enter the arena one more time. <laughs> for our Kickstarter of the week. Kick it! So this is another example of Internet of Things that's probably not going to fall on the successful end of the spectrum. But we will allow our panel of judges to determine. With 7,905 backers, they have raised $1 million. 
dollars. Wow. It's expensive. With a goal of only $35,000 and four days left to go, this could be what pushes him over the top, is our show right here. <laughs> it's called Naki, and it makes any surface smarter. That's right. Weird. It turns any surface in your home into a smart surface Internet of Thangs. I'm kind of excited. We are surrounded by technology. It's entering our homes and helping us automate daily tasks. So here's some more. But I find myself thinking there has to be a more natural and accessible way to control the devices around us. If the goal of automation is to simplify our lives, why does it feel so complicated? Our goal as a company is to solve this. Say hello to Naki. Naki is a small, elegant Hello. device that instantly transforms ordinary surfaces in your environment into remote controls. Using Naki couldn't be easier. Simply take it out of the box, pick a place to put it, select a surface to attach it to, and then define all the things you'd like Naki to do. Naki can control a wide variety of devices around us. But the true beauty of our technology is that what it can do is only limited by your imagination. There you go. Put one in your living room, or the kitchen, or even your bedroom. I mean, imagine rolling over in the morning and tapping a simple pattern anywhere on your nightstand to snooze your alarm and start the coffee maker without even opening your eyes. You just bought 10 more minutes in bed. Ha! And you'll definitely want to put one in your kid's bedroom. Oh, yeah? It's exciting to think of how Naki will spark their imagination as they figure out all kinds of ways to use it. Using Wi-Fi, which is proven to be far more reliable and with better reach than Bluetooth, you can enjoy using Naki from anywhere. The number of devices and software that Naki interacts with is rapidly growing every day. It currently includes Nest, Philips Hue, LifeX, SmartThings, IFTTT, and more. But even if you're new to the smart technology world, you can still use Naki for simple functions around your home. That's cool. Couple Other of... technologies that rely on sound or voice control can be unreliable and confusing to use. They can be triggered accidentally and don't always work as expected. Our patent pending technology uses non-acoustic sensors. It's able to distinguish deliberate tap or knock patterns from random vibrations in the environment. That's pretty cool. The beauty of our product is that it makes any regular environment into a user interface. All right. Let's go. Think about the surfaces around you. So I many am. of them serve one or two purposes. Add a Naki to them, and you instantly have a hub for automation. We carefully chose every material and finish for Naki. We've gone through a series of different tests and prototypes to make sure that Naki blends in in your environment and also looks beautiful on your surfaces. We're doing our first production runs here in the USA because it's important for our entire team to be there on the ground floor, ensuring that we're manufacturing the best possible product. We're excited to bring Naki to Kickstarter. It's not some far-fetched idea. We've finalized our designs. We have a beautiful working prototype. And we need to raise funds to actually get it into production and immediately start shipping them to your door. We couldn't be more excited about how this product is going to change lives and bring joy to people everywhere. Naki accomplishes what technology is supposed to do. Instead of taking over our life, it enhances it, allowing you to put more thought and effort into the things that really matter. Tap into the world around you with the magic of Naki.
What do you think, Ange? You wow. got any knocks against Naki? That is so cool. Yeah, you like that one, huh? Yeah. What is it that you like about it? I well, I like well, I love the fact that you could with with one knock like that turn off the light, turn down the temperature, lock your front door. Yeah, that means you got to have. Uh, oh, I know. Everything outlet. has to be digital. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I kind of like. I, I do. Uh, I do dig uh, the night mode features and stuff like that. That does. Like, it seems like we're getting really close. Mm-hmm. Noah's already wired all that up in his house. He just has, you know, a totally different set of technology doing it. The, the, also, the idea. The idea of going feels less intrusive than saying, "Okay, machine, do this thing." Right. Right. It's you know you got to shout it. And there's when you have kids, they're always talking. Whenever you right. want to talk. In fact, yes. they specifically wait to talk until you're addressing the computer, so that way they can mess it up. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> then and the knocks, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't seem like Wouldn't you have to really bang, bang on it. Wouldn't the kid just walk up next to you and bang it with you? Oh yeah, the kids would just like they, oh, yeah. they, they would do light. all sorts of things. They play with light switches. Yeah, and, yeah. I like it. Like there's, it's it has some kind of usefulness. Like some of it was kind of interesting. Some of it was like ridiculous. Uh, like the knock on the door is cool. Like oh yeah, you can send a text message unless they ring the doorbell. Then that's useless. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Not only that, but that's probably one of those units on the door. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So. Yeah. Now, Where is it? The units themselves, like it'll be on the back of the door. Right. That's uh, kind of The units themselves, uh, you know, uh, 60 bucks a knocky. <laughs> Let's automate JB shows with knocks. <laughs> now, if, those, if these knockies were the price of, or even just a little more than, say, the Amazon Dash buttons, now we'd be talking. You have to buy the Amazon Dash buttons? They're like five bucks, I think. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, this wouldn't be five bucks. No, it's 60. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 60 a knocky. Yeah. <laughs> So well, that's that. And you'd want several Nokis. You'd want a Noki in your bedroom. Absolutely. You'd, yeah. yeah. You'd, you mean, ideally, it'd be nice to have a Noki in the kids room. Be, yeah. You know, it'd be nice to. Yeah. So the idea, though, the idea that we're trying to wrap our heads around is how do you control these individual things? Do you is the is the smartphone the best interface? I say no. Yeah. No. I say it's it's not that it's just having to unlock it, grab it wherever it's at, unlock it, launch the app. To turn lights on and off and turn your coffee machine—it's it's, it's stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. But I could kind of see that. Tap, yep. I could kind of see it. So, uh, anybody in the mumble room have a good case not to say back this one? I wouldn't back it because oh! while knocking on something is minimal effort, um, using your voice is less effort um, than a physical movement on a yeah. technical aspect. But I mean. People might like this. I think this is more novelty on our road to AI-assisted yeah. voice robots. So I give you I mean, one thing, like the Echo. You know, they, I like that they called out the Echo, OK Googs, and um, Siri, Siri, and um, uh, 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 the Clapper. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like bold. Yeah, but the one thing is, is like, and as I've proved just earlier, like yeah, here, you know, you can. Uh, where's my well, you can activate you can activate these devices remotely. Like I, I can I can call out to my phone and ask it to look up something for me. Like, y- y- uh, do you have your SE yet? Yes, I. Just, yeah, I just haven't. No. Oh, is this it? No. Oh, I haven't. I haven't done the switch. So I think one of the features. I'm not sure, but one of the features in the SE, I think, is you can just call out to Siri. Oh, okay. Without having to push the button, and the nice thing is, is you can do that from anywhere. It's an earshot. Mm-hmm. Uh. You can't necessarily do that with a Naki. You have to be you, – back to that, you have to be at that physical spot to do it. Right. Which is sort of a downside because then you might as well just use a switch. Mm-hmm. Anytime you could just use a switch instead, I'm not really buying it. 
Uh, but if you could, if you could do something like set it up for notifications of movement, like the kids have arrived at home, somebody's knocked on the door. Uh, if it's just vibration sensitive, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So anybody else in the mumble room got a nay vote? Because we only got one nay vote so far. Oh, I would definitely say no. Oh, oh, oh. Raspberry Pi na- uh, Zero with a touchscreen that costs like twenty bucks, so that's twenty five dollars. Oh. All right, and you got this, you got a touchscreen. Yeah. Okay. And maybe even a beautiful dashboard. All right. Hey, citizen, Mr. Free, Tyler, one of you guys has got to be a tiebreaker. You are the decider. Somebody's got to. I love it. Um, I say Nate. Oh, come on. Now we're back to a tie. <laughs> who? Wait, who loved it? Uh, the same guy who totally would back it. <laughs> Me. That's Mr. Yeah. Citizen there. Okay. So we are, we're back to a tie. Uh, Tyler says, Mr. Free, do you want to be our tiebreaker? Uh, uh, keep it or uh, lose it? What do you think? Come on. Come on. Shit, I think right now it's going to be a lose then. I don't think I he's don't there. Think he's there no, yeah. no. All right. And Angela, your final call is, is back it, right? Uh, I think it would be cool. But, I mean, I don't think we should buy it right now. No, no. Yeah. We, we're not buying it, it anymore. Okay. We just – yeah. it yes. doesn't pass the sniff test of our I panel. would back it. I think it's kind of cool. I think it would be helpful. Like in my kitchen, I have four different light switches. And it would be cool if I had a tap for each of those yeah. so that I could easily, yeah. you know, That's true. turn on, like, the under-cabinet or, lights. Or you could, like, touch the switch. I could, but not if I am somewhere else in the kitchen. <laughs> Rikai. So you have to go wherever the, you put the knocky thing. So, like, if it's across, mm-hmm. the, like, another table, you have to go to that table. True. So. This is true. This is tough because Rikai in the chat room says back it. Wow. So, and we have Arch Russian saying we should back it. So I think we could take two chat two votes from the from the chat room as one vote from Mumble, and that would tip it. But I don't want to be gaming it at this point. Yeah. I don't want. I mean, it's been so long since we've had a win. I want it to be well, a clean, I clear s- win. I said I would back it. I would like it. Would all right? Be and backable. I say back it. Yeah, so it's we, cool. So it's we a have good idea. we have three nays and two yays here and two yays. That's in four yays. Okay, and then no, we have two yays in the mumble. Yeah, we have two yays here in the studio. We Six. have two yays in the okay, chat yeah. room, which count two for yay. one yay. <laughs> one yay. Oh, one, one yay retracted. It says I'm. He's not backing it. He Who says back now? Who says? <laughs> Arch Linux Rush. Ah, shoot. So we only have point five say. But overall, are we still on the clear win side or on the loose side? Andy? Well, well PTD says nay. So there you go. That's one. Oh, that's no! one versus one in the Come chat on! room. Get two and try it, Chaotic Linux says. Get two. Well, see, it wouldn't work in studio because... Sweet Lou is yay. Mr. Spin is back it. We can't be knocking on the on this desk. You know? All right. Well, <laughs> yeah! The United States, when we make a mistake, we're honest about it. We own up to it. So there you go. We're back in that one. We're back in that one. Uh, I'm glad you admitted that's a mistake. As a collective. <laughs> as a collective. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. All right. So uh, you know what? It's, you know what's a little bit easier to decide to back your uh, your favorite Jupiter Broadcasting Network? Over to t- patreon.com slash today. Get access to the live. So good live. The live show on last this Sunday was so good. Yeah. Uh, did you get to see it? I didn't. 
Oh, I was really? at the beach. Oh with the kids. man! So you know, Noah was in Tokyo. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. Well, I did tune into the last part of it. Yes. Yeah. Did you see him going to the bathroom? No. Yeah, you should watch that. Oh my gosh, it's good. <laughs> the whole live stream is great. Uh, we're posting the different shows up there as we're sort of testing out this model of giving it just the full, full show, nothing cut, no beginning, no end, just a full live stream. To our patrons who can't make it to our live shows. If you would like to make it live, jblive.tv. I won't be here next week, but if there is a show, it'll be Noah and Angela. Patreon.com slash today. As we begin our battle with the ISPs, we'd like your support there to help us with that and the ongoing costs we will likely be taking on for that. Also, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash stickers if you want to grab yourself a little sticker swag. Yep. Is that going well? Yeah, yeah. I have, People are I was, them? I was working on it right before I come into the studio. Yep, I had a lot of orders today from. Check them out, guys. From Linux Action Show, uh, pimping yesterday. Jupiterbroadcasting.com slash stickers. All right, so that brings us to the end of a very warm tech talk today. Holy smokes! I hope if you guys do a show tomorrow, you or next week, you bake. Ah, thanks. <laughs> You know, you should ask Siri what the weather's going to be like next Tuesday or next Monday. Oh, well, it's going to be 62 on Sunday, so I imagine. Uh, that, yeah, that's, that's gonna glorious. Be that's gonna 20, be... 20 degrees less than right Screw now. You. Screw you. Yeah, your face. All right. <laughs> Funny. You're arguing about 80 degrees. It's 100. I know. Look, But look, do I not have sweat all over my headphones right now? Just look at that. Look at that. Look how gross that is. Covered in sweat yeah, right now. Yeah, no, I, I am wet. It's because here's There's the, a good soundboard. Uh, <laughs> my back is wet. My butt is wet. So, yeah, somebody should clip that and send that to me. <laughs> I am um, wet. <laughs> here's the thing is we are in a padded, insulated room with a lot of computers and a lot of monitors. So it it might be 80 degrees outside. I guarantee you it's near 90-something in here, and it's humid, too. Yeah. It's bad. Yes, it is. <clears throat> yeah, but we don't need to complain about that. We're going to get out of here. We're going we're gonna to go jump in my truck, which has air conditioning, as I just – just want to get in a cool environment. Go drive somewhere where we have air conditioning. I'll just drive around for a little bit. No, I'm going to go to an office with air conditioning. In the meantime, I will leave you with this end of show clip. If I don't see you next week, I hope you guys have a great week. And if Ange and Noah end up doing a show, I hope you show up live and join them. You can send them stories at techtalktoday.reddit.com. Our mumble room, you can find information about that by joining our chat room at jblive.tv and doing bang mumble. And then you can join us as long as you got a working mic. I think bang IRC. Oh, wait. You'd, I have to actually already be, be in, in the IRC. IRC. Yep, yeah, that doesn't work so That's well. the trick. But eh. they just go to the secrets at jblive.tv. Yep. All the secrets will be revealed by the JBot. And with that, we leave you with our end of show clip. Another, another commercial from my childhood that may be slightly responsible for my current health situation. Presenting a day in the life of Ronald McDonald. We find Ronald about to take a bath, but someone's already taken it. So it's off to his closet to decide what to wear. What to wear? What to wear? He greets his fans. Hi, fans. The greatest. Hops a cab to a recording session with an actual rock band. Then joins the McNuggets for box seats at the opera. Then it's home to catch the evening news and tell the Fry Kids a story. Once upon a time, there was... Hey, I have to go to the bathroom. Thank you, Ronald, for sharing your day.